Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Ellis of Jordan Danae, and I am so, so excited to have Mackenzie Lee here today. Hello. Hi. I'm like, we actually, this will be the longest conversation we've ever had actually I think not via email so I'm like really excited about this I feel like I know you so well yeah we actually have only met for like five minutes at comic-con once but yeah I've been I have seen your books pop up maybe more than any other book in like my Instagram feed (laughs) which is very very cool yeah like the people who I know and follow are so obsessed with you it's oh, awesome that's so especially when loki came out like that was nuts so <laughs> yeah that was that was an experience <laughs> yeah well i guess for for anyone listening who doesn't know who you are uh you are an author of a ton of things and uh and I guess is that like is list. that how you introduce yourself? I do usually author of a ton of things is exactly how I introduce uh, author of a ton of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like yes, and uh, sorry, I am also very distracted by we were before we hit record. I was congratulating you on your Forbes thirty under thirty, which is like the coolest thing ever. So I am also distracted by just how awesome that is. Thank you. I'm also kind of distracted in general by by being on the Forbes 3030 list. It's very strange and surreal. So thank you. Did you know, like, did that come out of nowhere or did they give you a heads up? Or like, I don't even know. How does they that work? They gave me a heads up. They emailed my agent in like October or September and essentially said, hello, we think Mackenzie is a strong candidate for this. We'd love to have her fill out. It's not like an application, but it was like a very sort of random questionnaire in that some of the questions were very serious and like, how do you think the, your generation is affected by business practices of the generation before you in your current field? And then other questions were like, what app do you use on your phone most? Right. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what tone you guys are going for here. Um, yeah. So I filled that out in like, I think it was October and then heard nothing back, like not even a confirmation, not a thanks. We'll review your submission. And so I just assumed that meant they looked at it and were like, lol, never mind. Why did we? Yeah, right. um, That's scary just, okay, just to just assumed, hear nothing. Back. I, know, I just assumed Forbes was ghosting me. Um, and then yeah. whatever day it was, woke up to a text from a friend of mine that was like, OMG. And I immediately panicked and I was like, what's happening? Something terrible has happened. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's so, so that is also crazy that you found out from like a friend and not even <laughs> like a, Hey, just letting you know, we announced the news. <laughs> there was an email in my inbox. I just checked my, like, I didn't check my got email. It. I, up, I checked my text. Perfect. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, it's been incredibly surreal and it's such a cool thing to get to be a part of. Yeah, and like this 
from the outside, I mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure things are always busy. And I know like something with books at least is that like the behind the scenes is different from the release because you have to do so much work earlier than like the public gets to know but you have a lot going on right now because you have a book just came out right like very recently I had three books come out in the last three months oh totally yeah it's been a it's been a fall (laughs) yeah that I totally wasn't even thinking about because I I'm the most familiar with the gentleman's guide series um, because we just did a collab we did shop now um yeah yeah it's the sort of thing too where all three books were in very different genres and positioned in very different ways and so people who were aware of one were often not aware of the others um so it it was very strange um and I sort of thought naively that I was like oh because they're so different it's gonna be fine I can do three but like and I wasn't working on them all actively at the same time. And one was like a novella I had previously written that was just published. It wasn't, um, it had been only a e-release before and then they actually published it. So that didn't have a ton of work involved. And so I naively assumed that it would not be that much work and I would be fine. Right. <laughs> and I wouldn't like end up totally burnt out and kind of, kind of wore myself a little thin there. Yeah. I mean, the hard thing about having so many opportunities is like it is very hard to say no, and yeah. then when you're in it, you're like, oh man, this well, is a and lot I also, of work. I started working full time as a writer about a year and a half ago, and I was really panicked about. I mean, not panicked. I was very nervous about making this transition because it's a big, it's a big life change. Yeah. I was worried I about my sort of how my my life would change when my income was coming in sort of sporadically and unpredictably and you don't know what your next paycheck is going to be and where it's going to come from. Um, And so I was really anxious about that. And so I sort of said yes to everything just out of sheer panic. And I I kind of over, I overcommitted myself in the panic to just make sure I had work. And so I've definitely, I've definitely bitten off more than I can chew, but at this point I'm like nothing to do, but keep chewing it. So. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I have heard that full-time writing is not the easiest job. Uh, I mean, that's like, it it makes sense that you are like, that is a stressful transition to make. So I totally get that. Yeah. I don't don't think full-time art in any capacity is a very, it's a really easy thing to do. It's hard for so many unique reasons, like so many reasons you can't anticipate and, so many reasons you know are going to to come up and they still kind of catch you by surprise and are still difficult in ways you didn't expect. And um, it's been a big, like I've had a big learning year in terms of learning about my my own work style and my work ethic and um, how to sort of stop being so precious with my work when I have so much of it to do. And um, oh, that's hard. Yeah, it's been very, it's been very interesting. Um, and I think it's been, it's been a, a painful year of growth because I think all growth is when it, you know, you're stretching. And so of course that's going to hurt, but, um, it's been a good year of growth. I feel like I've learned a lot and come out better for it. I can't believe you've only been doing this full time for a year and a half. That is shocking. Yeah. It that's was so impressive. Well, but so before that I was, a I was an events manager at an independent bookstore in Boston 
um, which was a fantastic job and I loved it so much. Uh, but I was a one man band running this enormous events yeah, program yeah. for this bookstore. And I was working like 60 hours a week, um, on top of having books due. And I would work from usually like be like be in the bookstore from one or 2 PM to 10 or 11 at night. And then I would go home and I would write until two or three in the morning. Um, oh my God. And that was not super sustainable. Really. No, totally. <laughs> Why am I, I imagine you're there? really tired all the time. It yeah. It was weird. <laughs> I can figure out why. <laughs> at least that's like a really complimentary job, even though that's way too much. Yeah. It, I mean, well, happening I, mean at once. I was really lucky that I, I had a day job that I just adored and I loved and it was really difficult to leave. I still work in um, a bookstore here in Salt. I live in Salt Lake City now, and I I still work in a bookstore here two days a week, and it's the greatest thing. And I would I would suggest that everyone who does any kind of full time artistic work find a way to get out um, and get out of your own head and get out of your own space and do some kind of work that has you interacting with with people and if you can with your craft from sort of a different angle. Like being a bookseller has yeah. changed my perspective on on books so much. Um, Oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. I just started talking about bookstores. No, no, but that like yeah, that is I I have noticed that a lot too, like being able to stay it's really easy when you're doing art to like get stuck in your own head a lot. And so if you have an outlet that's like built in, it kind of helps you like it helps you bypass the inevitable, like you have to get out of your own head and do something else anyway. Right. So if you just kind of plan for that. Um, well, I, also, I think in, in all artistic fields, but in, in publishing especially, or maybe it just feels especially because it's my field and the one I'm most exposed to. I feel like I'm so hyper aware of other authors and sort of like what, who's getting what book deal and who's getting what marketing and, um, you can end up feeling really inferior really quickly as soon as you try and, um, put price tags on what you're creating and, and sort of compare yourself to other people, which I know is a very sort of dangerous and slippery slope, but I think we need to stop pretending like we don't all do it. Um, Yeah. Like just ignoring that is not healthy. Instead of of telling people like, don't compare yourself to others. We need to just acknowledge like we all compare ourselves to others. So how do we like still be healthy while doing that? And one of the ways to stay healthy while doing that is working in the bookstore because twice a week when I'm at the bookstore and you're talking to people and selling books, it's just such a great reminder to me that most readers don't don't care about who got what advance or who has right. what marketing campaign and whose cover I'm very like readers just want good books and so it's such a great reminder when you when you get in the store and you're sort of on the ground talking to readers and talking to them about books and what they love and what they're excited about it's just such a great it just it keeps me in such a good headspace and keeps me so keeps it gives me a really really good perspective on the work I'm doing that's so great. I think it's also I I personally am like obsessed with community and I always am drawn to people who are connected to the the world around them in like positive ways and I think it's really cool. So like one being in a space like that you are like automatically just going to know about what's happening like in the bookseller world, but I thought it was really cool recently on Instagram, you did like an AMA, but for book referrals, but it's really cool because that means you not only are like 
you're first of all helping people who want book recommendations and promoting like your friends and peers. And that means you like are paying enough attention to other people to even be able to do that. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. Like, I, I love that you did that. And I love that, like, you use the resources that you have in that way. I just thought that was like the coolest Instagram project I've seen in a long oh, time. Thank you. I've done it a couple of times where I just sort of put out, usually when I'm at the bookstore, where I just sort of put out a call, like, what do people want to read? And the it's always, it's so interesting to me to see the sort of specificity of requests people people will give yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Especially online, because I think usually when you walk in a bookstore, if you talk to a bookseller, you sort of say like, I'm looking for a YA book. And then often as a bookseller, part of the job is to sort of tease out of them what kind of YA book they're looking for, or what kind of fantasy book and what other stuff they like and trying to make the best recommendation possible. Um, whereas when you do it via Instagram, people are very direct about, right. I, I specifically want to read about um, disabled lesbians in space fighting zombies and yep. bronchitis. <laughs> and like, because of the world that we live in now, that's out there, which is so cool. Yeah, like, exactly. the, the coolest part is that generally there are, I, I can't think of too many requests I've gotten that I couldn't find a book to match. That's amazing. Um, which is really, which is really cool. Like we, we obviously have a long way to go in terms of representation in fiction across the board, but it's remarkable the strides we've made in the past, even just the past couple of years. Yeah, I agree. I love that so much. Um, I had a question that I was, I am just curious uh, to ask you when you were talking about all of your, like the books that have come out recently, how they're, well, first, I guess, I guess I should get you to tell people the books that just came out. Um, what Whoa, what yeah, your most recent promote myself? Huh? Yeah, that's my bad. That's that's uh, interviewing one hundred and one. Okay. <laughs> Actually, talk about the thing. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I'm going to be very gauche and give you a great sound effect here, which is I'm going to open a diet coke can. So do it. Sorry Perfect. about that. Little no, I love it. There. Um, so the books I just had come out. Um, so in September, I'm, I'm doing a series of young adult novels about, uh, anti-heroes in the Marvel universe. And so the first, they're not connected to each other other than thematically. Um, and so the first one came out in September, it's called Loki where mischief lies. And it is about young teenage Loki being, greasy and angsty in Asgard Mm -hmm. and trying to figure things out about his identity and his destiny and whether his role in his, his family's world is set in stone, whether his role as a villain is sort of an inevitable thing or whether it's something he can fight against and and whether or not he wants to um, all while solving a sort of Jack the Ripper esque serial murder case in Victorian London um, so I a, feel like that description <laughs> could not be more like exactly what I know everyone listening to <laughs> once, which is perfect. But I'm so glad. Yes, <laughs> so that is good. like it was definitely the, like yes. of all the things I was loving at the time I was working on it. So I was reading a lot of like true crime stuff, and yeah, that worked its way in, and um, that's amazing. So yeah, it was an incre- it's an incredibly cool project to get to do. I'm so lucky I get to do two more books with Marvel. Um, as a kid, I was I was 
I really liked reading, but what I loved reading the most were like franchise novels. Like I read a ton of Star Wars books and um, I really wanted to be into comics, but did not know how to be and did not feel like that was a space I could really access. And um, it felt very masculine and very, I didn't like, I didn't know where to start and I didn't know who to ask. And so the Marvel movies were such like a great gateway for me into then being able to read the comics and having context for the comics. It just feels like a full circle moment that as a kid too, I had a, the very specific dream not of being a a writer or an author, but of being an author specifically of, well, it was Star Wars books. I wanted to write Star Wars books. I mean, um, Star Wars books when we were kids were like, that was the, right. that was the so thing. I feel like doing this now is, I don't know, I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, man, like 10 year old me would be so impressed with, with where I am right yeah. now. And that's, that's a really cool thing. It's also really cool because I mean, there is a there is a lot happening in like the world of publishing that I do not know about, but I don't think so like I definitely knew about the Star Wars books because when I was a kid, like I read them and all my friends were reading them, but I don't think I have really thought about books that feature comic book characters that aren't comic books. Like yeah. I don't think I really knew that was happening. And so that's really cool that you could like you get to do that. Um, yeah, you don't have to you can write about Loki without writing a comic book. It's the sort of thing I wish I'd had as a, as a kid and as a teenager, because I, I so desperately wanted to be part of these worlds. And I was, I kind of came of age in a time when it was not cool to be a geek and, um, Mm -hmm. nerd culture has become so mainstream in a way that it was so not when I was growing up. And so not only did I sort of not know who to ask for help in terms of comic literacy, I also would, was just mortified to think that anyone would know that I wanted to be reading comics. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that there are, there are new ways for people to access these stories and these characters. And um, I think Marvel's been doing a wonderful job of diversifying how they are telling these stories and giving them yeah. to a lot of people across a lot of formats. So if you want these stories, but there is some sort of means of, means of digestion, that sounds weird. Um, com- means of consumption. There you go. Um, <laughs> If there's, I knew. I was like, I know it's close. Yeah, I'm almost there. Perfect. Weird and kind of food related. Um, <laughs> but if there are so, there's a means of consumption that works better for you. Like it's available now, and there's there's picture books, and there's podcasts, and there's documentaries, and there's cartoons, and it's so cool. Yeah. The, not just the diversity of of the characters, but also the diversity of format. Because I think that's. I, I mean, I was a kid and still am an adult who mostly listens to audiobooks. Um, because I'm not great at sitting down and focusing on a book. And so audiobooks are how I read almost everything that I read. And um, the fact that those have become more accessible, that they're now something I can have on my phone and take with me, um, it's been a lifesaver. While we're talking about audiobooks, do you want to plug the cool audiobook company that I had not heard of until you posted about it? Yes. Okay. So (laughs) I love audiobooks. I listen to so many audiobooks. and when I first decided I was going to invest in a sort of subscription company for audiobooks, the only one I knew about was Audible. And I really kind of bristled against signing up for Audible because I would rather not give my money to the evil empire. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. As a book person, <laughs> yeah. you're not. Amazon has, you know, it's wonders, yeah. <laughs> which are not, not no, great I mean, most of the time. They shipped me dog food in bulk, which I really yeah. appreciate. Um, yeah. So I didn't want to do Audible. I don't. I try not to buy books through Amazon. 
And I found out around the same time about this company called Libro.fm. Um, and they are essentially the same as Audible, except all the money for, uh, from the sales of the audiobooks goes back to the local independent bookstore of your choice. Um, so instead of the, your so money going cool. to Amazon, it's going to your local independent bookstore, which is so cool. And they yes. have tons of programs in place to sort of support booksellers and to help booksellers get um, get audiobooks so that they can listen to them, so that we can be sort of audio literate and recommending them and we can be um, talking up the new titles that are coming out and they just have a great supportive community. And it's just been for me, it's been a complete lifesaver and it's, they're just like my favorite company right now. And actually when I filled out the Forbes, uh, 30 under 30 application and they said, what's the most used app on your phone? Yeah. I'm not trying to like be pretentious and be really on. (laughs) Honestly, I have Libro FM going almost 24 (laughs) seven. Well, and I was mad at myself. Like you, I, I'm sure this is just the first time I've seen it, but like you posted about it recently and I was like, how did I not know about this? I now want to tell everyone about this company and like, I'm going to switch over. Um, cause I just didn't, I, I applaud you for like taking that step to be like, I only know of one company, but I'm going to see if there are other options. Um, cause I know some libraries do like audiobook um, like rentals too, yeah, but I had I not heard of that, this company. That being said, if you don't have money to buy audiobooks, like your your local library probably has a program. Overdrive is an yeah. app, that's like a a lending a lending library for audiobooks. There's another one that I can't think of right now, but there are there are lots of like library options out there too for audiobooks. Um, but yeah, I just I really love Libro, and I love that they're they sort of saw this space that only Amazon was occupying and said, now, how can we, how can we turn this around and how can we make this beneficial to small businesses? And that That's just made so me really cool. happy. Yeah, yeah that is awesome. Support, and like, support Libro. thanks for sharing it too. Cause I wouldn't, I, I learned it, about it from you. So I appreciate that very My much. Pleasure. I'm kind of an evangelist for them. I mean, it's also nice. It's always nice when a, when a, a company or like a program is supported by the people in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So like as a book author, I like trust that it is a good, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like that extra level of like, okay, this is definitely a good place, which is awesome. Um, I think the, the question that I wanted to ask is as a writer. So like, we've been talking about all the different kinds of stories that you write. Did you, is that hard to like, to bounce around and like be in so many different, um, not spaces, but like the, the, the stories that you're publishing are like pretty different from each other. What is that? What is that like? Um, I don't think it's hard because everything I work on, I think has, has common threads in it, at least in, in my mind, they all sort of fit together really nicely. And in my mind, all of my books, while not the same are, are sort of a, like they, they, they complement each other very well. And I think part of that is just because they, they come from me. And so obviously I'm writing from my worldview and my experiences, but I'm also writing like across the board in genres and about topics that 
I really love. And like being a Marvel fan is a large part of my, my identity, not identity, but that's like a large part of who I am. I mean, being, yeah, being totally. A, being a nerd and being a geek and also like my, my passion for history is a large part of who I am. And so it's, it's not that challenging to switch over or switch between them because I think they all, they all feel like component parts of who I am and who I am as an artist. And they're all things that have influenced me as an artist as well, or like things that made me want to create art. That's really cool that like looking at your, your library is like a kind of like a peek into like your personality. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's really cool. Well, and they're also interesting um, kind of time capsules of where you are as a person when you're writing them. Um, One of the strangest things for me about publishing initially was having to say I'm done with a book and then put right. and then publish it and put it out there and know that as soon as you finish a book, it's no longer the best work you can do because you've learned so much from that particular book and from writing it. And then when you come back, because of how publishing works, usually you'll like see it again in six months to a year. And that's when you'll be sort of actively promoting it. And by that time you're looking at it, just like horrified about how terrible it is because you've, right. you've worked since then and you've gotten better. Um, and I had a really hard time. I still have a really hard time with that. Sometimes I, ha- I still have a hard time looking back at at old work and um, thinking like, oh, I would if I did this now, I would do this so much better. I would rewrite this and I would change this plot point. But you, I'm, I'm sort of learning to make peace of peace with it by looking at it as these are representative of who I was at the time and what my what was happening in my life at the time and what I was interested in at the time and what I was going through and. Um, I think when you look at it that way and we, we sort of look at all the things that made us, even the things that feel kind of embarrassing and weird and like, Oh God, I moved past that. Um, they're, they're all part of who we are today. And so I think when you look at it that way, it can be, it can be slightly more positive or at least slightly more, <laughs> more palatable to look back on your old work. Yeah. It's always, I think it's, I think it's always hard. Well, I guess, I mean, if you are a self-aware person, I think it's always hard. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who think everything they've ever done is the best thing ever. And like, that's one way to live. But I think that's very relatable <laughs> to be like, oh. Well, I think it's important to yeah. learn how to both appreciate work you did in the past and like where you were creating from at that point while also appreciating the growth you've done and the, absolutely, and, and that's something I have a hard time with. Like I have a hard time sort of acknowledging both simultaneously and it's something I'm working on and trying to get better at is acknowledging both my own, my own growth and also not letting that negate where I was five years ago as an artist. That is really hard because yeah, to acknowledge growth, it means at some point you weren't as far along as you are yeah. now. And that's always hard. Yeah. yeah. And then when you're a, a pub, when you're a published author, or I guess oh, many man. Yeah. Of, that, that work that you were doing sort of before you were not finished growing, but before you were at the point you're at now is out there and people are always going to read it and people are not going to like read it thinking, Oh, well she's grown so much as an artist since <laughs> then. Like usually they're, they're reading it for what it is. So I don't know. It's a hard yep. sort of. It's a hard thing to wrap your brain around. Sometimes it can be. It can be really difficult. I found it really difficult, especially at, at first. And it's something yeah. you're sort of more aware of now. Especially when like you're 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 doing this as like a full career. Like you are like you're young in your career. You know what I mean. Yeah. So it's not like you're. It's not like you're starting this at 
you know, when you've already lived your whole life and learned all your things, like this is growing with you. So that totally makes sense. Um, so I guess that's just like, yeah, a, an interesting, uh, effect of, of being a career writer, which yeah. is one of the, awesome. one of the many unique challenges of yeah. being an artist that you really just can't anticipate until you're in the middle of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what, I don't even know, I guess I want to ask like what's next, but I feel like there's like a million things that are coming up for you. So like, what are some of the things that are next, I guess? I think my most sort of pressing what's next is there's a third book in the gentleman's guide series that's coming out in August. Um, so that's sort of, I guess the next big thing. I also have two more books I'm doing for Marvel that I can't talk about yet. Um, but they're about different characters. They're not more about Loki. Um, but they're Sweet. also, they're other anti-heroes. They are um, similar in theme and that they're kind of about um, identity in these sort of black or these sort of gray characters when they're, when they're younger um, and sort of younger than we've seen them previously in the Marvel canon. Um, That's really cool. That's what I have coming out. Um, HBO is doing an adaptation of Gentleman's Guide, which is pretty exciting. I was like (laughs) skirting around asking you about that because I wasn't sure how that that's just the coolest thing. It is really cool. I have zero other details about it. So if I knew anything, I would tell you, but I don't. Um, I mean, that's how that goes. So I believe you. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so that will that will be happening at some point in the future, theoretically. I mean, I keep every time I tell people about it, I feel like I have to say. Like full disclosure, there are still ten thousand ways this could go wrong and not happen, but it's moving forward. This is exciting. That's Hollywood, so that yeah. is good. Yeah, disclaimer, but yeah, so so freaking exciting. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of what I have. What I have coming up. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big. Uh, what's next? Yeah, that's really awesome. It's a full slate for sure. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any like last. Do you have any um, like as as a as an author and as like a fan of books and as someone who like is very like present in like what's happening in publishing and stuff? Do you have any like? Um, I mean. I guess recommendations is a weird thing, but like, are there any cool, are there any like cool things happening in the world of books that you like have been really interested in lately or, uh, are, have been like excited to recommend, um, as people are coming in? Cause I, I know you have a ton of recommendations. Um, but is there anything that's like, I don't, I don't even know actually what I'm asking you. That's a nice, um, I was going to say, that's a nice small question. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anything I guess I I always like glean recommendations from people, and I'm just straight up asking you, which is not as fair. <laughs> um, um, two things I'm really excited about that are happening right now. Um, that I guess I guess this kind of applies to your question. Um, one is the the totally fabulous Rick Riordan who wrote Percy Jackson, as everybody knows, yeah. like one of those series that I have yet to meet a kid who doesn't 
love Percy Jackson and I just want to like, it's like that and wimpy kid and um, all of Dave Pilkey's books. I'm like, I just want to know what sort of formula you cracked that children lose their damn minds for these books. Yes, absolutely. Um, But so Rick Riordan has taken his sort of uh, the formula that made Percy Jackson really work, which is this idea of putting uh, modern kids in Greek mythology and getting them to interact with it in, in funny and creative ways he has taken that formula and now started his own imprint at Disney Publishing called Rick Riordan Presents and is using his platform and using his sort of name to do this or to help marginalized authors and authors of color do the same thing with uh, mythology and folklore from their um, cultures. And I just think that oh. is the coolest thing that is happening right now. It's such a like it's such a great example of as a white guy, how to, or like a white person in general or or a privileged person in any way, how to use your voice and how to use your platform to lift up uh, minority voices and lift up people of color and new authors. And I just love what he's doing. The books that have come out of his imprint have been so good. And um, I was at a Disney dinner at BEA this past year talking about Loki and he was there uh, promoting trials of Apollo but mostly all he wanted to do was talk about his authors at his imprint and how proud he is of them and how crazy he is about these books that they're writing. And it's just, I think it's one of the coolest things happening in publishing right now. And it's just been such a pleasure to watch. And it's so fun, especially in the bookstore, um, when you talk to kids who love Percy Jackson and they're very sad because they've read them all to be like, well, there's more. Um, so that's something I'm really excited about. And then similarly, um, uh, Mariko Tamaki, I think is how you say her name, who's done uh, tons of great um, graphic novels. She did uh, This One Summer, which won, I believe, a Prince a couple of years ago. She wrote Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me, which is brand new, which is fantastic. She's done like Harley Quinn for DC. Um, she just started her own imprint at, oh, I have to look it up, at Abrams, um, which is one of my publishers for my nonfiction, um, where she is doing she's focusing on graphic novels um, to that are focused on queer stories and told by queer authors. Um, and similarly, I just think that's a fantastic thing that's happening. I think the rise of graphic novels in general has been such a wonderful thing to see. And especially for kids who are, who are struggling readers, who are reluctant readers for whom visual literacy is more, is more comfortable and natural seeing the emergence of graphic novels as, as a form that is becoming more and more taken seriously has been has been so wonderful and just made me so, so happy. And then to see that as a space that is expanding to make more room for queer voices and to focus on queer stories, I think is, is similarly just so exciting. So I love that's sort of what I'm most excited about in publishing right now is seeing these platforms emerge for marginalized creators and for their voices and for, for them to tell their stories in these unique and interesting ways. That was like the perfect answer to a question <laughs> I asked so poorly, but very, very uh, that is, yeah. Thank you for like reading my mind and, uh, and that, yes, those things are so cool. I actually so did cool. not know about either of those things. Um, so I'm, I feel like I, I, I follow you because I am like, I love the things you do and I also follow you because like you know about so many other cool things also that are happening (laughs) and share them all the time. And I appreciate that so much. That's so awesome. Thank you. I feel now like I should 
talk about both of those things on Instagram. I just assumed everybody knew both of both of them were happening. Listen, I don't know anything ever. So (laughs) yeah, for people like me. uh, Yeah. Um, Where where can people follow you if they if they want to follow your journey and all the cool things you know about? Um, so I have a website, which is MackenzieLee.com. Mackenzie is spelled M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I. Um, and then Lee is L-E-E. Um, I'm on Instagram at the Mackenzie Lee. And I don't really do social medias beyond that. I have some that exist, but they're not. It's mostly just Instagram um, because cool. I needed the best platform possible to talk about my dog at all times. And that's Instagram. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I write books that are available wherever fine books are sold. Um, and also to plug, to plug our collaboration, if you are a yeah. Women's Guide to Vice and Virtue and Ladies Guide to Petticoats and Piracy, there's a great line of related shirts and totes and mugs and other merch on Jordan's website. Yeah. And that was the most fun photo shoot. I was like, we're going to do like a sort of piratey, colorful, <laughs> like, I don't even know. I loved it. Uh, yeah. It, it, the collab is one of my favorite things. I love it so much. Oh, I was so excited um, to get the photos. I didn't realize there was that you were going to lean into the sort of like piratey swashbuckly. I was like, oh, it'll be like cute pictures in front of the Brooklyn Bridge. And then I'm like, right. pants. <laughs> It's what's really fun about books and stories that have like such a specific, uh, I don't know, like a, such a specific flavor. It's like, cool, this, this can be that then. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so much fun. Oh man. I love it so much. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I yeah. like, I, I just like absorbing all of the things that you know and all of the things you're working on are so cool I appreciate this so much thank you it's been so wonderful to talk to you thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode you can head to our archives to hear more or hit subscribe to hear what's coming up next if you want to go a step above and beyond you can leave us a review on iTunes which helps other nerdy people find us Or you can go to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek to help keep the podcast going and check out the cool rewards that we have over there. Have a great week and stay nerdy. Bye.